Welcome to Freedom Church, where we exist to reach people to know God locally, globally, and everywhere in between. Thank you for joining us online. We're so excited that you're with us today. If you want to know more about Freedom Church, you can go down to the description below, click the link to our website, and you'll find who we are, what we believe, our different ministries, upcoming events, and things like that. You're joining us during our series called Loving My Neighbor. Our lead and founding pastor, Terrell Somerville, is taking us through this series, um, teaching us how to be the hands and feet of Jesus by loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We hope that you enjoy this series, and if you want to take any next steps, make sure to hang out to the end of the video. The best is yet to come. again, church. How are you? Let's give God praise if we get to be in His house, all right? And maybe you're here for your first time. The cool thing is the building didn't fall in, right? Isn't that cool? You didn't even need a hard hat. That's what's cool about that. Hey, I'm so glad you are here today. Those of you who are in the house today, those of you who are watching online, uh, everywhere we leverage technology to be able to do that. So we're so glad that you're able to tune in. If you're within driving distance, love to see you next week at 9 or 1030. But also what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, we were doing a series of messages called Loving My Neighbor. Jesus summed up the entire law into two commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So the first week we talked about reconciling racism. Last week we talked about embracing orphans. And a lot of times the subjects that we're talking about, a lot of churches won't touch those things. And I've heard such great reviews from you about what God is doing and the things you've done. The first week, man, we're able to just really just, I heard so much from you guys on that. And then last week, man, you guys stepped up helping with orphans, what we could do to help those that are displaced, those that we can help. We want to be able to do that. I want to say thank you. So give yourself a hand for stepping up last week, especially. Thank you. God bless you. You're such an amazing, amazing church family. Today, I want to take it a step further and I want to talk about empowering the poor. Now, when I automatically say that, what goes to most people's minds is this. You automatically think of poor as somebody that's broke. Now, I think there's probably somebody in here struggling right now, and God bless you and praying for you, and if there's anything we can do to help you, please let us know. But I know at one point in time, I think everybody has probably said, I'm broke. How many of you ever said, I'm broke? I'm saying, and I started looking at what people say in these phrases about being broke. And some of you may be able to help me with some of them, but I'm so broke, I can't pay attention. <laughs> I love it. How about this? I'm so broke that I rub cologne from magazine pages on my shirt. And then people say, oh, you smell so good. What is that? And I say, page number five. 
Or just say, I'm so broke, I go to KFC to lick other people's fingers. <laughs> now that's broke. <laughs> this one, I read it. Don't hold it against me. I'm just going to share it with you. I'm so broke, I broke wind in my wallet so I could get a cent. That's nasty, is what that is. That's broke, too. The truth is, many people around are struggling financially, and they wonder, what do I do? Also, however, there's, a, there's being a poor condition is quite different when you think about poor in other countries um, when it comes to their financial problems. You say, what do you mean by that? I remember distinctively the first time I went to Peru, I've been there a couple of times and helped in mission works and things like that. I remember the first time I went, uh, the buildings, it was just amazing to me because it was a very desert area. There's an area called Ventanilla we went to. And um, the, the buildings are very dilapidated. They're very small. They're one rooms. They're just pieced together. And it, it's just like metal sheeting of what they can get to put on it. They would take a bucket to put it in the corner of the one room place to use for the toilet. They would have situations where that the drinking water situation was so bad there in that area that in order to bathe, in order to have drinking water, once a week a truck would come through with a tank on it, an old truck, and we witnessed this, and it would be driving down the dusty road, and little children were running, chasing the truck, and they were hollering, agua, 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 which is Spanish for water, of course. And you look at those kind of situations, and, and what we end up saying here in America, well, there's not anything to eat in the refrigerator. How many times you said that? Don't have anything in the fridge. And these families that I met and ministered to there, they're just hoping to get a few beans and rice just to make it through the week. See, poverty's impacting so many people across the world. But honestly, poverty affects people across the street as well in our backyard. Poverty's a real thing. And as we talk about today, I think the light is going to come on for many, if not all of us, really what poverty is. But how do we empower those who are in need in a way that would honor the Lord that we serve? Often it's not, listen to me, it's not material poverty that I'm talking about. In Matthew 25, Jesus told a parable about when he comes back, how he's going to separate those that are his and those that are not. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And Jesus will say, goes on to say in this, in Matthew 25, he says, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And then it goes on to say that the righteous, the sheep, says this. It says, oh, when did we see you, Jesus, that you were hungry and we fed you? Or when were you thirsty and we gave you a drink? Or, or when were you a stranger and we showed you hospitality? Or, or when were you naked and we clothed you? Or when were you sick, Jesus, that we cared for you? Or when were you ever in prison that we visited you? And this is Jesus' response to them. In this parable, in verse 40 of Matthew 25, it says, I'll tell you the truth. When he did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. I want you to think for a moment. Whenever you use what you have to be able to empower someone who doesn't have something that they need, you're being a blessing for Jesus. You're being a blessing for Jesus. And you're thinking, 
Wow, how, how can I do that? I, I'm not talking about just a blessing of one in need, but you're being a blessing to Jesus because you're ministering to help make a difference in helping someone. Proverbs 19 and 17, a wonderful verse that says that if you help the poor, you're lending, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. See, when you're serving God, you're, you're serving people who are in need. 1 John in the New Testament here says in chapter 3, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. What is he saying there? Stop giving lip service. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before the Lord. See, we don't just say, man, I just see this bad situation. Somebody ought to do something about that. And we just talk, 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 talk. No, no, no. But God calls the church to be the hope of the world. We just don't have religious services and, and be all about blessing my four and I'm not worried about it anymore. No, no, no. That's not what the scripture is telling us here. We do this by using our resources that God has given us to manage to be able to love other people out of poverty and into a place of wholeness. I believe that each one of you would like to help in some way for somebody that may be in poverty. You are touched by something that happens. You see a problem. You care and you'd like to do something. But listen to me closely. You really don't know what to do. But yet the key is how do I do it right? So the question boils down to this. What is poverty? Now most Americans define poverty as a lack of something Material, something materialistic or something like that. I don't have enough income. I don't make as much money as my brother does. Or I don't have adequate housing. I live on the other side of the tracks. Or I just don't have, we don't have any food in the refrigerator. Or, or I don't have really good health care. Or it's a shame. We're so, we're broke. My 14-year-old son needs an iPhone and he doesn't have one. You don't understand. My dad's got heated seats in his car and I don't. That's how we think. For a whole lot of people in this country. And it's very sad. I don't know if you know this. On the other hand, World Bank did a survey of 60,000 people in marginalized countries of poor people. And this is how they define poverty. The truly poor define poverty as a mindset. They never said they were lacking anything material. They had this deep sense of shame. They had this feeling of, of worthlessness. It is a fearful feeling that, of humiliation and hopelessness that they are sense, uh, this sense of being trapped that they can't take care of their family. I cannot feed my family. See, it's a mindset more than a material lack of something. So we help them change that, not just what they have, but how they think. We don't just need to give someone something they need to get through the day. We need to help change the way people are thinking that you give in a way that helps, but doesn't hurt them. So what we want to do is to, to be able to help this mindset where this sense of hopelessness to be able to help turn them to a hope that God has given them and what God can give them of what they need to get out of the situation that they're currently in. The root of all poverty is 
brokenness. All of us here today are broken in some way. There's more than just material poverty. There is a relational poverty. And you say, what do you mean? I remember the first time that I went on a mission trip. I went to Honduras. And man, what I realized I didn't need a translator for was a smile from a child. They smiled at me and I smiled back at them. And what was amazing about it, they don't have anything there, but you know what they had? I looked at them in their community and they had a love for each other of community. Unlike, unlike a lot of people here don't even have, they don't even know what community is because there's all kinds of poverty and it starts with this. It's a broken relationship with God. So what do you mean, Pastor? Adam and Eve sinned in the garden against God. Creation was broken and it was tainted. And now it's a sin-filled world, a painful world. And there are people today who are impoverished because they do not know God. So the broken relationship with God. And then there's the broken relationship with self. I don't know about you, but a lot of people have low self-esteem. They feel less than. They don't feel like they have what it takes in life. They don't realize that they're made in God's image and that they could have his power to better their self. They could have his power to better their family. But they go on living hopelessly. And then there's broken relationships with others. We rub shoulders with humanity each day and you may be hurting and Really, you got too much pride to ask for help. But yet, if you did ask someone for help, maybe they're just too self-centered to be able to help you in life. So due to the broken relationships, no one is serving each other the way that God wants us to serve. You say, well, why is that? Because the root of all poverty is brokenness. There's a broken political system. There is a broken economic system. There's a broken social system. And you know what? According to the world's ways, there's a broken spiritual system. But Jesus has got the spiritual system worked out. People just don't realize it. And it's the church's responsibility to get the gospel to the world. That there's hope in Jesus through the local church. It was so in life that when Jesus was in Nazareth, he went to the temple and he stood up and he unrolled the scroll to read in Isaiah and this is what Jesus said in Luke's gospel, chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he goes on and reads after that, that that was fulfilled that day in him. Jesus brought the good news. Jesus let them know that now you can be set free through me. See, the root cause of poverty is brokenness. And Jesus came to be able to heal the brokenhearted. He came to be able to let people know that I am it. I am the one that can help you. See, poverty is a mindset, not just a lack of materialism. And we as God's church are called to empower the poor. And you're thinking, well, how do we do it right? How do you help someone, a person on the street, 
who's got a sign and they're asking for money? How do you help someone who you know has recently lost their job? How do you help someone who needs a place to stay? How do you, what do you do when someone's overwhelmed right in front of you with a need? What do you do? That's what the church is called to do. And I want to tell you three different things that's so important. We are called to serve others, not save others. You say, what do you mean by that? It's insulting and it's absolutely dangerous when someone has a mindset that they are the answer to somebody else's problems. I want you to know, church, Jesus is the answer. Jesus has the power. You and I are nothing more than servants of God. So how does Jesus want me to serve? How does Jesus want you to serve? There's a couple of thoughts. When we think in this measure, we want to offer relief to people and we want to help restore them. Relief and restoration. That is so important. When you look at the word relief, what I'm talking about is that immediate temporary help during and after a crisis. So many times we see hurricanes and tornadoes and floods and, and an earthquake like it happened over in Turkey. But here's what ends up people thinking. Well, you lost your job, or this relative's got cancer, or their house burned down, and the storms that happened just about a week or so ago. It was horrible. I don't know about how many of you prayed for Aaliyah Brooks' family, but I did. 15 years old, and a tree took her life. She was on the cheerleading squad at Liberty Creek. See, many people do what they can to give relief, but it's this immediate and temporary relief to help somebody through a crisis. But also there's restoration. This is where it's so important for the church. It's long-term relationship to build and help them rebuild to have that wholeness again. See, restoration is a little bit different than relief. See, when a tornado hits or a hurricane happens, what happens? The news crews show up, don't they? And they're showing what happens. But within a few days, the news crews are gone to the next scoop. If you don't know what that means, you might have to Google it. But, but the church is to be the one that stays when the news reporters have gone. Back when the storms happened, how many of you here had some storm damage when the winds that blew that day? Raise your hand across here. You know, I got a call from a family member to help restore a situation. And I dropped what I was doing to go help. Yes, I had my own damage too, but nothing like theirs. So I wanted to go and help them rebuild the wholeness. It wasn't because they couldn't financially hire somebody. It's what you do to help people. It's what we do as God's people. We want to help people rebuild their lives. We want to help give them shelter and food and clothing and, and help them during a storm to clean up and help them to be able to rebuild and restore and be community and boots on the ground. That's what we do as God's people. And here's what I want to brag on. On Freedom Church over the years, all the way back to our inception, Freedom Church has helped in multiple ways, collectively and individually, and help restore broken, hurting people. That's what we do. And I want to say thank you. I'll never forget. Freedom Church volunteers in Cookville when the tornado came through in March of 2020. A whole bunch of our people got together and we went to Cookville to be able to help. Can we help everybody? But we help somebody. 18 of the 25 lives right where we were working at. This is the crosses of where these people within a moment's notice 
lost their lives. Here's a man named Charles Williams that was a veteran. This is his family. Look at him smiling so happy. But in a moment's notice, this was Charles here in the next picture. That's where his house was. That's him standing. That's the picture of a broken, hurting person. You think about the Good Samaritan that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. The Good Samaritan had the mindset that you and I need to have. Relief and restoration. The Good Samaritan, a Samaritan sees a Jew on the side of the road, it's half dead. What does he do? He goes to give him relief. He goes to bandage his wounds and put oil on him and wrap it up and put him on his own donkey. But then he carries him to an inn and he leaves him there and he asks the innkeeper to take care of him. There, take care of him. And if it costs you more, let me know. When I come back through, I'll pay you. That's relief and restoration. And we as a church, what we do, we come together each Sunday and we worship God, but we also worship God with our giving. That's one of our high five values, everyone giving. And what we believe as a church is that the first 10% of what God blesses us with, we return back to God. That's biblical. And when we do this, it's an act of worship and it's a privilege that we get to do this and worship God with the tithe. But then also understanding that above the tithe, the 10% above that is your offering. Something we've been doing for many, many years is we challenge each year to get people to give their above and beyond offering to the greatest gift offering. And we have partners that we partner with locally and globally, and they are our mission partners to be able to help make a difference. And here's what I want you to know. When you give, you often get more in return because you're being the heart of God and being a giver. But we have a disaster fund within that of what we use for relief and restoration. And due to your generosity, we financially support Samaritan's Purse to get help and relief there. I don't know if you remember, remember the floods in Kentucky? We sent money to help them because we're far away, but they needed help. You remember the, the hurricane in Florida? We sent money to be able to help. Thank you for your generosity. That's what we get to do. So we get to invest here at Freedom Church, and then we get the best return because we're helping people that are hurting and broken, and we do it together collectively. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're called to serve others, not save others. Jesus does the saving. We serve. And this is God's way and God's design to help rebuild wholeness to people's lives. But something else is important. We relate to others. We don't rescue others. You say, what do you mean? We're called to relate to people, what they're going through. Give them love and give them care. And you know what you do in that moment? You vicariously, you put yourself in their shoes and what they're going through in that moment. And people who are struggling, listen to me, people who are struggling are not projects that you help. Don't ever look at a person as a project you help. Let's help people. Say, for instance, you help someone that did have cancer. You helped a single mom that's in need or someone lost her job or someone needs a place to live or you need to help be able to bless someone else. But when you do help, don't feel good about ourselves doing that. People aren't projects that you help. People are people that you love through a situation. And you think to yourself, how can I help you rebuild on what you already have. So what do you mean? You help people rebuild, help them with dignity. You don't look down on them as a project. You help contribute to them and help them and love them and care for them. And you give them value. See, when people are hurting, listen to me close to what I'm about to tell you. When people are hurting, their socioeconomic status is irrelevant. 
I hope you understand what I just said. The root of poverty is brokenness. And there will be a time that I'm going to need help from somebody. There's going to be a time that you're going to need help from somebody. There's going to be a time that maybe a tragedy or hurt comes in my life or in your life. Something in my life, I'm going to need somebody. I don't want to be your project to make you feel good. You don't ever want to make anybody feel like that. I remember on May 4th when the storm came through Gallatin, May 4th of 21, the storms come through Gallatin, straight line winds and a tornado. And I remember getting a text about one of our families here, the Pattersons. And Travis and I, are, we're friends, and, and here's what you, people didn't realize. When you're relating to somebody, not rescuing them, they had storm damage, big trees down and all that. And you know what? That could have waited. They could have hired somebody to do it, but that wasn't what the point was. Here's the point. Travis was facing open-heart surgery two days later. He did not need the stress of wondering what was going to happen to his house, what's going to happen to the trees. So our entire staff dropped what they were doing, and we let it out to the church, and a whole bunch of people and friends and neighbors and all that, we showed up over there, and within a few hours had that clean up because he just needed to be calm. He's facing open-heart surgery. See, you relate to people. You care about people. You love them where they're at. You, you see what it is going on in, in their position at that moment. What can I do to help relieve the stress and the strains of what's taking place? I've got a text here I saved from that day. He sent it to me. He says, man, I'll tell you, people showed up and showed out for sure. I'm not used to receiving help. I'm so thankful. It was a huge blessing just to know so many people would stop what they were doing and come and show my family so much love. Thank you. I'm forever grateful. Praise God. You serve people. You don't save them. Jesus does the saving. We just serve. You relate to people what they're going through, not rescue them as some kind of project, but there's one more thing. You reach out. You don't reach down. So what do you mean? Reaching out because I care. Not reaching down. Because we're better off than what somebody else is. I'm, I'm poor too. I'm in need too. I'm broken too. There's times I struggle too. I'm not the hero. I don't have all the answers. I'll be the first to tell you that. I'm reaching out simply when you do because I love you and because I care about you as a person. And that's being Jesus to the world we live in. There are those of us at times who need help. And there are those of us at times that give help. And you know what? We need both. We need both. And if you truly, truly, truly in your heart want to be the hands and feet for Jesus in this world, you're going to have to do things that's probably strange to this world. So what do you mean? You got to be willing to give 
when other people take. You got to be willing to love when other people hate. And you got to be a, a people, a God's people, that we help when others are abused. And by giving up your rights in order to serve others, you're one day going to receive a reward from our Lord God Almighty. It's going to be amazing what he has in store. You know what the ultimate poverty is? The ultimate poverty is being poor in spirit. Jesus preached the most amazing sermon that will ever be preached. It's recorded in Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, 6, and 7. And in chapter 5, he had eight beatitudes, eight blessings morning and the first blessing was this he said God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs see my prayer is that every single one of you are going to realize your need for Jesus first and foremost for salvation forgiveness of your sins and that he will then feel his spirit inside of you so that you will be the neighbor that's full of love for every neighbor that you ever come in contact with that's in need and that's the heart of the gospel would you stand with me as we pray Father, as we come in the name of your son, Jesus, I want to pray, God, that you will help us to rise to the occasion to be not just a a good neighbor, not just a loving neighbor, but a godly neighbor. That when we see a need, we do what we can do to meet it. How many of you here under the sound of my voice will say, I want to help any neighbor in need. I want to be prepared to offer relief and restoration. I want to stick around when everybody else has gone home. How many of you would lift your hand and say, that's the person I want to be for God? Just lift your hand across the auditorium. Father, thank you for the people who want to say yes to the call to empower people that are in poor, destitute situations, recognizing, oh God, that the poor is often us. Lord, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to be able to hear. Give us a heart to be able to care. Seeing needs around us that abound, Heavenly Father. God, make us your church that is a shining light for Jesus, your Son. That we meet physical needs and most of all spiritual needs. And we do it all in the name of the one who met our needs. His name is Jesus. As we continue praying, the biggest poverty of humanity, spiritual poverty. And when you're poor in spirit, and then you realize your need for Jesus, he will bless you unlike you could ever, ever imagine. So right now, 
The good news is that Jesus is the answer. And maybe you've never really truly called on his name. Maybe you had a head religion, but you didn't have a heartfelt relationship with Jesus. Today's your day, friend, because he's going to knock on your heart's door because he wants to be the best friend and the best answer of life that you've ever had. So if that's you right now, Here's what I want you to understand, that Jesus was a sinless man who walked on this earth and to be able to understand what we went through, that he was tempted in every way we're tempted, yet he never sinned. And he gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins so that you and I could be in God's family. So no matter who you are, what you've done, the people you've hurt, here's what I want you to know. God will forgive you. God wants you in his family and he loves you dearly. But there's nothing you can work for for that salvation gift. It is a free gift of God. You can't earn it. You just have to believe it and receive it and ask for forgiveness and you'll be born again. So right now, as the Lord's knocking on your heart and you know you need to ask him to be the Lord of your life for the very first time, shoot your hand up right now and say, that's me today. Just shoot your hand up real quick. Just shoot your hand up right now and say, I need Jesus for the first time in my life. Listen, don't worry about who's around you. Just shoot your hand up and say, yes, I feel the Lord Jesus Christ knocking on my heart. I need Jesus in my heart for the very first time and I know that. Would you pray with me today? Even if you didn't have the courage to raise your hand and just pray to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, I turn to you in faith, Jesus, today. And I want to do your will. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want to be brand new. I recognize I'm spiritually poor. And I'm dead in my sins, but I want to be alive in you, Jesus. So I'm calling on your name. Please forgive me of my sins as I've invited you into my heart. I believe in you. Now I want to receive you. Make me new. My life is yours. Save me. Now if you've received Jesus as the Lord and your, and your Savior, Savior for the very first time, let us know that online. Just mark it there below on the feed. If you're here, I want to ask you to come and see me and let me know that you've prayed that prayer. I'll be at Next Steps across from the coffee house. I have a gift for you to commemorate this beautiful day of salvation in your life. Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Find us faithful, God. Lord, and be in your hands and feet in a world of people that need you. And for people, when we are in need, they are recognizing us to help us as well. So we love you, we praise you, and we honor you. In the name above all names whereby we must be saved, it is the name of Jesus and all of God's people say, amen. Let's give him praise today, church, okay? Now, I want to share with you that if you gave your life to Christ, come and see me at Next Steps across there. And uh, take a connection card out, fill it out. If, you, if you're in a hurry and you don't have time, you gave your life to Christ, just fill it out. Let us know that. Drop it in the offering before you leave. We'll follow up with you. And here's what I want to tell everybody here. We're having a baptism. Your next step beyond salvation is baptism. If you've never been baptized by immersion, that is the example that Jesus gave. 
Easter is your opportunity. On Easter Sunday morning, you'll never forget, Easter Sunday morning, 2023, you were baptized. And I tell you, it's going to be an amazing day. I know there's a lot of people already, to my understanding, it's already signed up to be baptized. We'd love to be able to do that for you. You can invite your family and your friends, and the impact it's going to have on them will be amazing. So I want you to, want you to know that. So be sure to fill out a card there in the seat and say, I want to be baptized. Or you can go on the QR code on the tree there, and on the back of the seat, do that. You can you can sign up for baptism there on that. If you're here today and you're brand new for the first time, uh, we're thankful that you're here. If you would take a card out of the back of the seat, put as much information on it as you care to, take it out the info desk, give it to them. They're going to give you a gift to commemorate this day and give us at least a three-peat. Check it out for three weeks because everybody needs a church family and that'll give you a good view of Freedom Church. Now, I'm going to pray over the offering in just a moment, but the last thing I'm going to tell you before I pray is so important. We have what we call a Next Steps Luncheon. That's going to be on Sunday, April 2nd. That is going to be following this service. We will feed you lunch. We will take care of your children. If you're interested in landing here and checking out Freedom Church to make it your church family, possibly coming a member that's totally up to you. It's a two-hour window. We're going to tell you the vision, the values, the history, and everything about it. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. So if you're interested in the inside scoop of Freedom Church, this is for you. All you got to do is go on the QR code on the tree there, sign up for Next Steps, tell us your children, RSVP, we'd appreciate it. You can also do that tangibly with the cards in the back of the seat and drop them in the offering. I'm going to pray over the offering and I'm going to tell you one thing and I'm going to cut you loose. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we honor you. Thank you for the privilege we have to give back to you. What we have, God, and resources, it's all yours anyway. You're the blesser, and most of all, you're the giver. May we be a giver like you in our tithes and offerings. And may we be good stewards of it that we continue reaching people locally and globally and everywhere in between. Thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we're so thankful that you're here today. This Wednesday night, a lot of people don't know about this, but it's a totally stripped down, amazing night of worship. We do that here on Wednesday nights in this auditorium, 630 to 8. This Wednesday night, prayer and worship. You will love it. If you like worshiping and praying to the Lord, praying to the Lord, this is for you. Bring somebody with you. Come this Wednesday at 630. Other than that, if you need prayer, you need to talk to somebody, you got next steps, you gave your life to Christ, we'll be over at next steps. But also next week, we're going to wrap up this series and it's going to be amazing. Bring somebody that you know that needs a church family. Don't come alone. We love you. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day.